Yes. Yes. So, hi, I'm uh, Michael. The first thing you have to uh, uh, sort of know when speaking Web3 is the native greeting of uh, GM, which is uh, good morning. So now you know that um, this is either a person giving you like a jolly uh, good morning greeting, or it connects as a dog whistle for here comes another money hungry eco villain cryptomaniac type. And um, with that, yes, I'm. Um, Mikkel Malmberg, I usually go by Mika on the internet. And as uh, Christopher told you, I was a co-host of a radio show last year. We did a, an episode about NFTs. And I'm, I'm like mostly a programmer. That's what I do by trade, at least mostly. But I've always been interested in sort of every kind of creative outlet. So I've been dabbling in drawing and music and everything. I just find that that's like a very exciting thing to do to express oneself oneself creatively so sort of it's a bit hard to see your name and an artist underneath but I'm trying it out um and uh, we did this radio show with a, an episode about NFTs because they were blowing up you might have seen it it was like all over the news with these like huge amounts of money uh, it was bought and sold for and uh, of course you sort of squint at it and I had been skeptical of blockchains before then in crypto. I'd have installed MetaMask and bought some crypto and sold it at a loss. So like the usual experience. Uh, but but I'd always sort of not been too enthusiastic about the whole coin goes up, coin goes down. It wasn't fun to me. But then NFTs came and it was sort of suddenly about all these things that I actually like to think about, like culture and art and uh, identity and all of the like much more fun aspects of uh, life, I guess. Um, and so I started to slowly dip my toes in it and sort of lift my own uh, restriction on blockchain. So this is going to be like a brief introduction to uh, what we can, we might call Web3. Uh, and um, we're sort of in a hurry, so I'll skip all the bad parts. <laughs> Just take note, Carl will have them later, but um, there are some, there's some good parts too. Okay, so I made my own project, uh, like, almost a year ago, and um, sort of this uh, tiny generative art thing where you can buy a crane and it's fully on-chain and all that. And it sort of became a success, at least it sold out overnight, and I was like floored like, <laughs> from this response. And suddenly from this, I got all these new artist friends that wanted my help to sell their own collections. And so I did. So I'd have to, I've had to learn all the, um, the tropes of I guess, what is Web3? And I've been more or less fully entrenched in it for a year now, and I'm still full of questions, but at least uh, let's try to explain it. So, um, briefly, we had Web1. This is the World Wide Web. It was mostly read. Like, there were websites. You could go to them. Maybe 10 people made websites. Most read. Not a lot of people either. Then we had Web2. Like a way more people showed up. We had like common threads everywhere. There were blogs, there were like social media. It's great, your aunt was on the internet suddenly. She thought the earth is flat. Okay, maybe not a good thing, but she's here. Everyone's here now. And um, suddenly it was in our pockets all the time, like on the phones. This is where we are now. We're probably, basically more or less, everybody is on the internet all of the time. But it's sort of weird that this, like all the efforts that we put into making things for the internet just goes 
onto our social media profiles. More or less, there's still like maybe 30 people now making websites. Otherwise, it's just like pouring stuff into these giant conglomerates, the con maybe not the word, giant companies that uh, have their own social media platforms, and we get like a tinkly feeling in the stomach for some likes, but they get everything else basically. So they like become filthy rich, and we get some hard animations. Um, so Web3 is, at least some of it, is the promise that we, we can now have the read, we can have the write, and we can have the own part, like digital ownership. Um, and uh, yeah, hi, Mark. Um, this is sort of the promise. Digital ownership is weird because, yeah, uh, I don't know. Let's just get on with it. How do we do that then? Um, one way to do it, the proposed sort of solution now, is to use these decentralized blockchains that you've probably all heard of. It's like the magic behind Bitcoin that makes the whole system work. So we can model money and no one controls it, but it's still safe. And I mean, you can get scammed by other people using Bitcoin, but like the system holds. No one can go into it and like change a number and now we have 10 Bitcoin. So the, the system holds is like a thing you can have a blockchain, a decentralized data layer that nobody owns and still you can trust it. Uh, that's more or less it. And then somebody else noticed that we can probably model other things than money on blockchains. And so Ethereum came around and uh, had this concept of smart contracts where you could write code and put on the blockchain. And uh, with that concept, writing code, putting on the blockchain, um, and also like coming up with standards, just uh, agreeing on a way to do things. We can model things and make them interoperable. It's the word, <laughs> it's the hard one. Uh, so for example, these are the standards that are commonly used in Ethereum blockchain development now. You can make, if your code acts like the ERC20 standard, you have a coin. So you can make your own cryptocurrency, more or less, right now, put it on a marketplace, sell it. People can be millionaires, other people can be like minus millionaires. Uh, and this is easy. I've done this. I have a cryptocurrency. It's called like dollar sign mega. There's 300 of those. So we can have one each almost. Uh, the point is, is that it's easy. I can set up a liquidity pool. People can trade it. That's the thing. Another standard is the um, ERC721 standard, which is the, NFT, the NFTs, the non-fungible tokens. So where a coin is fungible, you can take one and trade it for another. It's the same thing. They should be worth the same. A non-fungible token, probably heard this explanation before, they are not the same. It's like a painting. It could be from the same artist, but they don't necessarily have the same value. And then there's another one who's like a mix of the two. But uh, the point is that uh, by following these standards, we can sort of write code that can live on the blockchain. We can have data that's interoperable and transferable, and it's assigned to you. So you um, own the data, so to say. <laughs> and that's, that's actually like a groundbreaking thing almost, because since, like, what, Napster, digital ownership was just, like, crushed. It was not, you could, like, it's just so easy to copy a song or an album. Nobody loses the album when you give it to a friend. So it's just like, there's nothing now. And then um, uh, you sort of some companies introduced ownership, so you could buy a song on iTunes, but then you only own it on iTunes. So what happens when Apple decides that now we do ownership in another way? That's the problem. But with these 
a decentralized blockchains, we actually get this thing back there. We can own stuff on the internet. And I think that's pretty neat. Like suddenly you can start defining yourself by what you own again. And this is like a, an old concept, like try searching Instagram for watches or cars or something like that. You'll see like millions of people defining themselves, like making it a unique primary character trait, the things that they own. And now you can do this on the internet too, because the data doesn't live on an, in a database that some company owns, like Facebook owns it. This data just lives on the blockchain and you can take it with you. So when you arrive to a new service, you have the data in your backpack, so to say. You arrive with your data, your identity, your everything. Um, and um, yeah, this unlocks, yeah, of course, this part of the identity that you can define yourself by the things that you own. And some people in uh, Web3 take this so far that they sort of define themselves as one of the things that they own. So people take an NFT and use the image representation of it as their profile picture. This is like a whole category of NFT projects. Is images that you're supposed to use as your profile picture. You've maybe seen the, the monkey JPEGs, the bored ape things. Um, and using that as your profile picture, you can signify that you're part of a club or that you have a million dollars to spend on a JPEG or whatever you want to signify. But, but the point is that you can, like the things that you own digitally can be part of your identity. Um, yeah. And you can even use it as an identity. And uh, this uh, also unlocks, like, this session is called Get Together with Web3. Like, there's a, there's a huge part of it as community. So some of that is uh, owners of a specific NFT collection getting together, shouting, when are we going to be rich together? That's sort of, that's a big part of it, to be honest. But it's also, like, uh, you can use this shared data layer to, uh, I don't know, like have a membership card and use that as the access to your website or your chat server or whatever. Um, you could also, like, one of the ways that I use this is that I buy art from digital artists. There's like a complete genre of artists that had basically no way to make a living before except maybe writing uh, Sprite on it and then selling it to Sprite. But now they can just make the artist they were like, exactly like they wanted and uh, sell it to collectors and then have it like a tight bond with those collectors. Like have a community with them, send them stuff, talk to them, find them. That's the, that's the part of it. Uh, that's the, the main part of it. And so um, this is sort of, as I see it at least, uh, the the great addition of, of Web3 compared to the others is that we get this data uh, portability and uh, um, taking the data back. Like imagine when you post it on Instagram, it would become like a little thing. Like you already see it sort of like that. It's a post, it's a thing on Instagram, except it's just on Meta's servers. But now you get to have it. And the day that they decide that they want to shove reels down your throat and you can't like do anything you can just use another app handle the same same data it's called retro instagram or whatever it's just square images the point is that um it's it also breaks the uh, data monopoly that we have right now that you use facebook because that's where your friends are that's where your data is it's like you're bound to use facebook to use facebook data 
But with this, with the, the, the data, even the money moves outside of the systems. The competition isn't to like dig the deepest uh, moat around your system and keep the users in. The competition becomes to make your product as great as possible to make sure that people stay on your platform instead because they can just go to another one. I guess that's a short introduction to Web3. Uh, and uh, we have to get on to the next one. Yes. No questions yet, right? Not no questions. Nope. Please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>